from the far beyond. This is one of an occasional series of podcasts from the end of the world by Paldon Jenkins. It comes to you from the far end of Cornwall, an area called West Penwith, and Penwith means far beyond. I've always been interested in both the past and the future and it's taken many many years to realize that these are two things which aren't separate and different they've always seemed to be very well heading in different directions and they evoke different kinds of feelings and yet I feel as if the whole direction of my life, or one of the key directions of my life, has been about this question, bringing something from the very ancient past into the future. Now, this takes on all sorts of different interesting contexts, actually. There was a a very interesting lady called Jane Roberts in the 1970s, who was one of those much more realistic channelers who brought through material by a being called Seth and he said something very interesting it was really about past lives but it was about the past and the future as well which is that on the level of the soul there's no time and therefore when we're talking about the past the present and the future in effect they are all happening at the same time they're all running in parallel and there's something about this feed through i had a very wonderful amazing revelation when i was about 35 and i had just been running a camp it was actually an earth mysteries camp for about 120 people and it was at beltane in 1986 and during this camp we found out that Chernobyl had gone up and so the whole camp became about that and it was a really heart-rending, soul-shifting kind of camp for everyone who was there. It was a life-changer for all of us. And after the camp was all put away and finished and everyone had gone home, I was back on my own again and I was going through a big soul-searching and I went from where I lived in Glastonbury to a place just on the coast called Breen Down which is what in Cornwall we would call a cliff sanctuary. It sticks out into the Severn Sea, the the Bristol Channel. And it's quite an amazing power place, actually, a prehistoric power place, Bronze Age. And I had a vision there. It was a foggy day, and I was up on top of this down in the fog, and I went inside myself, and I was rather anguished over the whole situation. It was Chernobyl, it was... Some of the challenges of running these camps, some some of the challenges and responsibilities and issues around the whole thing. And I had a past life regression experience where I tuned into myself in another life. And I was there in some time around three and a half thousand BC in the Neolithic. Whether we take this literally or not doesn't really matter. Let's just take the imagery. I was something of a seer, something of a, a an early druid, something of a person who was responsible for organising the 
long-term festivals that happen once every 12 years or once every 20 years or as 12 years are Jupiter cycles and 20 years are Jupiter-Saturn cycles and 18, 19 years are metonic cycles and things like that. And at the time I had a feeling, back then I had a feeling that something was going to go very wrong and I talked about this to my fellow colleagues and they said no everything's going fine what are you worried about why do you why do you make a big fuss about about things when things are just great look at what's happening here this is this is you know we're, we're doing all right and so i kind of went quiet on that but something in me could sense something rather terrible could happen on planet earth switch back to 1986 there i was on breen down in the middle of what I then could see in 3500 BC. Then I could see this big bank of cloud, a dark and a threatening kind of situation. But then in 1986, I was able to say to myself in 3500, well, I am here, we are in this dark. And do you know what? Yes, it is difficult. Yes, it is bad. Yes, there's something not really really not right about the whole thing but we're still alive and the opportunities for truth insight light enlightenment are in some ways in the face of this darkness never better they've never been better than this so there's a strange paradox you see we can live in a pretty ideal environment and I'd suggest that in a way the, the life and the, the, the culture of the Neolithic the megalithic period in Britain was quite remarkable a lot of the problems that we perceive in the world today didn't exist and yet we have so many problems now yet there's something else is happening the whole of humanity has come to meet each other we're looking out to the far cosmos. We're having this cultural, this cultural coming together, this cultural meeting of all sorts of different cultural threads and strains. We're having different periods of history which are meeting each other, the super modern places like Dubai, Shanghai, Mumbai, and then the ancient peoples who are still hanging in there back in equivalents of the Neolithic, although there are so few of them left now, and, and in a way they're all getting drawn into modern life. But we're getting drawn back. It's taken a long time for me to reconcile this business of the past and the future, and one of the things that I've come up against, I've been working with megalithic culture and prehistoric sites and trying to work out what they were all about and why they were built, what, what drove the people to put in so much work to make this happen. And what drove people to, to put in so much work to make this happen when they could be having an easier life or they could be busy, busy growing corn? Well, it's got something to do with a deep-level technology which I call megalithic geoengineering. It's got something to do with the subtle energies of the earth and working with the subtle energies of the earth 
in a very parallel way to the way that scientists are trying to do now by going into the nature of matter, the atom of DNA. And they're trying to fiddle with it in a way. Well, the ancients, I think, fiddled with it, but they fiddled with it in a rather different kind of way. It was a shamanistic way. It wasn't this rather godless, violent, rationalistic way that we have today. It was something to do with loving the earth. It was something to do with being in contact, in a form of harmony with the soul of the earth, the soul and the heart of the earth. And in doing so, they could penetrate into the secret, hidden, underlying sources of energy and information that lie within all of manifest form. And how did they do this? They could do it shamanically by entering into advanced consciousness states. And how did they do that? Well, they built megalithic sites on power places. And some of these megalithic sites were like containers. Stone circles are a good example, but also quoits or dolmens and chambered cairns and enclosures. And these were built to contain space. And they were built on top of natural energy centers, such as blind springs, which are upwelling energy vortices that come from deep down in the earth. And so they built megalithic sites on these places in order to channel and enhance and work with the natural energy that was coming through the energy centers. Now, what energy is this? Well, if you think much, much bigger, think in terms of the cosmos, think in terms of our solar system, think in terms of how every heavenly body is a vibrating, pulsating bundle of energy and it has its own frequencies, its own pulsation. And planet Earth, within our solar system, co-pulsates with all of the other planets in the solar system. And this causes the energy fields of the Earth themselves to pulsate, to flux, to go through ups and downs and ins and outs in all sorts of different ways, quite complex ways. And so the secret was that these energies tend to pulse through the energy centers, which act as arteries, you could say, uh, whereby this pulsation takes place. And this pulsation takes place between under the earth and over the earth. It, it swings in and out in, a, in quite cyclical ways, particularly the, the main ones which the ancients were particularly um, tuned into were those of the sun and the moon, but also the other planets and stars. And this is why they aligned various stones and various of the ancient sites to the rising and setting points of sun, moon and stars, according to quite a complex and sophisticated system. So the secret was that they could channel power points in space. But the other secret for generating advanced levels of consciousness was to choose specific times, power points in time. And for this, they needed to be astronomer, astrologers, and sensitives. And they would therefore study the fluctuations in the qualitative nature of time. And these would peak at things like full moons, solstices, equinoxes, cross-quarter days, eclipses, and planetary lineups. 
there are peaks and troughs in these kinds of multi-factor time cycles. And the ancients got quite proficient at choosing the right times. So at power points in space, they would do consciousness work at power points in time. And in doing so, they would crank up the potency, the consciousness potency, such that they create what I call a reality field, which is a reality of its own. You could say a sort of a magical reality of its own, which overrides the normal rules of nature and starts affecting things in another way. Now, this is a bit long and complex, but I've done quite a lot of work on this throughout my life with groups of people doing consciousness work. And the interesting thing was that we started discovering this, first of all in books and things, but then also accidentally, where there were events which happened which demonstrated that consciousness was doing things, just things like how we perhaps would have a ceremony. There's one time I can remember we had a ceremony and it was quite a moving ceremony and uh, we worked hard at it. And as soon as we finished, the sky, which had been cloudy, cleared and there in the west was a lovely crescent moon with Venus right in the middle of the arc of the moon. It was just classic. And guess what? We had been doing a ceremony invoking Venus. You get things like this happening. And you might well have had quite a few of these kinds of funny, what people call coincidences, magical things that happen, which somehow demonstrate the inherent unity of all things in nature of events. The main thing here is to do with the way that the ancients therefore used consciousness by, by going into advanced states of consciousness in power places in space at power points in time. And in doing so, they would manage to affect things like the fertility of the land, the coming seasons, the climate, the general happiness of things around, they would practice their forms of medicine, which included spiritual dimensions of it in those days. They'd do all sorts of things. They'd work on these issues. They'd give them deep thought. They'd work at it. They'd sing it. They would chant it. They would dance it. They would keep on doing so for days sometimes, in long trance-like sessions, building up a form of deep consciousness so this is what I have been thinking of as megalithic geoengineering. The modern term geoengineering is all about fixing climatic problems with chemicals that are sprayed in the air or in the water or um, forms of electromagnetic radiation by which the ionosphere can be affected. This is all rather violent and what I'm proposing with this idea of megalithic geoengineering is that this is a much more sustainable form of planetary correction which works with the existing energy that the Earth has. So this is how, after 50 years of working on this particular issue, I've managed to bring together some of the past and some of the future. Now, the megalithic engineering, I don't think, is something which could be brought about in the immediate short term. People aren't ready for it. But in the longer term, it's different. 
things are changing really rapidly. And one of the remarkable things we particularly found it out during the COVID period is that disasters and uh, emergencies demand special action. You have to break the rules. You have to do things differently. And uh, that's why I have a feeling that this concept of megalithic geoengineering by the middle or the later part of this century might start becoming more appropriate, more understood. So we'll have to wait for that one. But it's worth working on developing these ideas at an early stage. I've done so in the book that I've been writing about West Penwith, using West Penwith as an example of a megalithic area where these principles are demonstrated. And it's coming out in September and it's called Shining Land. So this is what I've come to about how to bring together the past and the future. It's a, it's a far past and it's a far future. But it's important. If you'd like to find out more about me, then my website is at palden.co.uk and my cancer blog is at penwithbeyond.blog And the music came from bensound.com, for which many thanks. I thought it was rather nice, really. Thanks for your ears. There's more to follow.